Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. We're your hosts, Brian, Nathan, and JC. Brian, it's good to see you, man. You feeling a little under the weather? Man, this stomach virus is no joke. My mm. life flashed before my eyes multiple times. I even broke out in a chorus of swing wide the gates. I'm coming home. <laughs> I don't want to ask when you were singing that, but... <laughs> it's the big one, Elizabeth. I mean, I quoted every line you can think of. I thought life as I knew it was over and a few times I wanted it to be, but Hey, I'm here tonight. So I am captain resilient. That a boy. Well, I'm not going to try to one up you, Brian, but I'm not feeling good either, buddy. It's uh, thankfully I do not have a stomach virus, uh, which is quite possibly the worst plague known to man. Uh, I would rather feel any extent of pain rather than being nauseous. I absolutely hate being nauseous, but, uh, man, if I didn't know any better, JC, I think I had uh, COVID again, dude, this is acting exactly, Yikes. exactly like when I had COVID man, it's, uh, I don't, I don't want to say I do, and I'm not going to get a test cause I don't really want to know, but <laughs> it's <laughs> man. Uh, yeah. Bronchitis, upper respiratory. It started as just allergies, but Oh man, I feel like an old man, Brian. I'm sitting here talking I'm sorry, about all my ailments. Well, I'm my gal cleared up again. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Recovering <laughs> Fundamentalist podcast. Man, what a depressing start. You know, but oh. here's the deal. Do you know how when you feel bad, how you crave telling someone? You know, my yes. grandma, she used to introduce herself. You know, I'm Dorothy Edwards. And within two minutes, you would know that she was a diabetic and yeah. you'd know that she had had 25. Sir. How awesome is it that we have a few hundred thousand people to complain <laughs> to? That's like one of the greatest gifts the world could ever give you. And they're all yeah. sitting here. They all have the man flu. <laughs> yeah, basically, basically have a man cold. That's what it is. But hey, I do have some good news tonight, guys. Can I share some good news? Sure. I want to hear it. I am back in the Jeep club and I am so happy about that, dude. I got my Wrangler Unlimited, and I am loving life. So if you see me ride, rolling around in a Jeep, say hi to me. Give me the Jeep wave. That's good. There, hold it. There's a Jeep wave? Yeah, oh, there is. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Well, I, still do it. I still do it, and I drive a truck because yeah. I drove a Jeep for so long. I'm just used to waving now. Got the three fingers. You know how, you know how all the – count as a finger? <laughs> <laughs> what? Wouldn't it be your thumb and two fingers? That's it. Right, but that's your thumb and two fingers. You just said three fingers. It's on your hand, so it's a finger. I didn't even know there was a Jeep wave. I so yeah. feel left out now. Well, here's you know, all you know, know how the bikers wave at each other on, right. on bikes. It's the same type of thing. Everybody driving a Jeep waves. You know what's funny here in Statesboro? So we drive one of those Envy passenger vans, the big Nissan kind of boxy looking vans. Oh, yeah. A trailer full of kids. Um it's funny. There's a, there's probably nine of those around town and we wave at each other. The envy passenger wave. It's like, help me. That's Bro, our way. <laughs> that's hilarious. Hey, JC, I was getting ready to say when you have that many kids and you're driving one of those vans, you know, most people with the cool wave, they nod up. When yeah. You pass each other. You just stare down. <laughs> <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> so well, guys, all I know is y'all got to get to feeling better because we getting on a plane here in just a couple days yep. heading up to New York city. We're going to be at the Brooklyn tab with pastor Jim Cimbala. Looking forward to that. And, uh, Brian, we get, we got to get a cool rental car to drive around Manhattan. Are we just going to Uber around? 
that's probably what we need to do, don't we? Yeah, I can definitely Uber. I was thinking about Ubering, but then again, you know, they make you have that app and everything, and it's just a lot of trouble. Most of the time, I have a some gracious people at the office, and they have me a rental car scheduled, so we'll see what happens. Well, all I know is we Ubered in uh, Vegas when we were out there, and half the cars that came to pick us up was like a go-kart. I was like, what is happening here? I could barely get my head in, my feet in. <laughs> so Nathan was stretched out, but I was scrunched up in the back. <laughs> oh, goodness. Seems like such a long time ago. It really does. It was such a fun trip. We met so many cool people. I'll tell you a really cool opportunity that we have that is similar to going out to Vegas, but not at all like that. Um, it's actually the worst <laughs> segue <better>. ever. <laughs> but one of the most incredible opportunities that I think that we are going to have, I know so far in my lifetime, and uh, I turn 40 next week, and this is something that I've been dreaming of for a long time. Yeah, and, uh, we're excited. We've been teasing this for the last few weeks here on the podcast. But coming up January 2023, the dates are the 23rd through the 30th of January. This is going to be a trip for pastors only, men, pastors, and we are going to Israel. And we are going to spend an incredible week there, seeing all the sights, uh, getting to walk where Jesus walked, watching the Bible come to life. Guys, I don't know about y'all, but I'm fired up. This has been, a, this is like a dream come true for me. It is, and I'm excited. I cannot wait to go, and I'm excited about going with a bunch of pastors yeah. to just uh, go deep in the Word. Uh, we're going to have the opportunity to share the gospel at different locations, and all three of us are going to get to have a chance to do that. Plus, we have an incredible, incredible guide that's going with us, and Marcus is going to be sharing a lot of historical things and, and just excited about all the different parts of this trip, man. I hope so many of our pastors get a chance to go on this with us. So this is a trip that is through Yale Tours. And what they do is they take pastors in the off season for when folks would normally go to Israel. They take them in the off season. Get this, guys. We're going to Israel for $2,800. Wow. $2,800. That's literally half of what, the half price of what it would normally be to go to Israel. You get over there, that covers your flight, your food, your lodging, the tour, the tour guides, the bus. We're going to get to see everything for an incredible time, January 23rd through the 30th. And we're not cutting corners on this trip. Mm -hmm. We're staying in five-star hotels. It's going to be nice. This company is taking care of us because we are pastors, and their whole end game is for us to bring our congregations right. back over there and do another trip. And there's some incredible opportunities with that as well. So you'll be hearing more about that. The RFP goes to Israel. Israel will never be the same <laughs> again. It's going to be awesome. Can we break it? Is that a possibility? Because, uh, <laughs> I hope we, I hope we don't break Israel. <laughs> I, I love Israel. <laughs> I can't wait. I'm excited to get over there. Marcus Merritt with uh, Luther Rice seminary. Uh, had reached out and set this group up. He said, "We I lead tourists to Israel, and I can think of nothing better than an RFP trip to Israel. And man, 
I'm excited. Not only we get to go to New York, guys, we get to go to Israel together and uh, take 30 of our friends along with us. And so registration for this trip opens June the 1st. And so June the 1st, there's going to be a website. You can go to recoveringfundamentalist.org. When you're there, you'll see it right there on the homepage. It'll say Israel trip. This is for the first 30 people. It is a male pastor only trip. Sorry, ladies. That's their rules, not ours, but maybe next time you can go with us. And so um, there is a $350 deposit when you sign up, but uh, we would love for you to come and go with us to Israel January 23rd through the 30th. It's going to be an incredible trip. It is. And I love that they have it split up into three or four different payments. So you, yeah. so as pastors, most of us don't have $2,800 to throw at something, but uh you can, you can budget this out and make payments along the way. And I also want to say, I know all of our listeners, all the pastors that listen to us aren't in the same place as us. Like, like a lot of you guys are still independent fundamental Baptists. You're welcome to come with us. We would love to have you as long as you're not one of our notorious antagonizers that just wants to come and cause problems. We won't let that happen. But if you're interested in going, enjoying the promised land, Come go with us. We're going to have a blast. And the focus of every single day will be the gospel. I can promise you that. Amen to that. Hey, if we're going to New York, do we really need to go to Jerusalem? Because you can fact check me on this, but I think there's more Hasidic Jews in New York than there is in Jerusalem. Sounds good to me. Yeah, so it's kind of one of the same. And Jesus left New York a long time ago. (laughs) We had a blood moon two nights ago. Yeah, we did. And uh, I think one more blood moon, and they're all going back, and they're going to rebuild the temple and start sacrificing. I know I just got in trouble with a bunch Mike, of people. I'm hold sorry. It, hold it. Do you realize last night was the <laughs> night of John Hagee's life? <laughs> yeah, it was. Whoa, he was out yes. there. He was out there with a telescope. He'll write three more books now. <laughs> uh, this is this definitely coming. You know, you've got to you got to admire him for one thing though. He's gotten more mileage out of a blood moon than an astrologer. Like he is. <laughs> He has taken a lot from a blood moon. I promise you that. Did y'all see it? It was incredible. I did, I did I not. Sick. So I took out the kids on Sunday night because that's when the eclipse started. And so we're standing in the middle of a field and there was a fox that kept running around us. My, my kids were all excited about seeing the, the, we literally stood out there for an hour and I made them watch the whole lunar eclipse while we drank our cookout slushies. And then last night the clouds parted. And I mean, that thing was bright red. It was incredible. I actually said, that's for you, John Hagee. <laughs> I saw a Photoshop picture where someone had superimposed his face <laughs> over the blood moon. It was, it was awesome. That's a classic. Oh, goodness. <laughs> well, JC, while you were drinking slushies and enjoying the Hagee blood moon, I was, uh, I was seeing the bottom of a trash can. So I'd rather been out there drinking a slushie and looking at the, the Hagee, I mean, the blood moon. Well, on that note, I think we should get today's episode going. We're excited to have a guest with us today, an author. And I believe this is going to be an incredible episode. I think we should jump right into it. Y'all ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's go. Covering Fundamentalist Podcast begins in three. These podcasts, <laughs> podcasts, that sounds like a conviction of beans or peas to me. I, pod, 
podcast. Listen, and these recovering fundamentals, they don't know the Bible either. What are the fundamentals? Inerrancy, virgin birth of Jesus Christ, substitutionary atonement, bodily resurrection of Christ, and the authenticity of miracles. I am not a recovering fundamentalist. They're everywhere. They're all over the internet. They want to be, uh, what do they call it? Recovering from fundamentalism. They're everywhere. And I think to myself, well, you were just stupid to begin with. And if there's such a word, you're stupider now. We ain't recovering from nothing, good neighbor. We're reviving from the Holy Ghost. Somebody say, Everybody wants to focus on recovering. Oh, you're recovering. Oh, you need help. You need therapy. You're recovering. Let's focus on fundamentalists. We're recovering fundamentalism back from people who have hijacked it. We are biblical family. We are the fundamentalists. Man. That'll make a Baptist want to speak in tongues right there, boys. One. I'm going to tell you one thing. Uh, We better stay uh, in the old paths. Uh, But what are the old paths? I've I've heard that my whole life, and nobody's ever been able to tell me what the old paths or the old-time religion really is because it's whatever era you Mm -hmm. overly romanticize in your mind as being when the church was right. Mm. Like it, love it, pump it, chump it, take it across the street and dump it. We've raised a generation that is ashamed of our forefathers and act like they were somehow done wrong in the way they were brought up and they were damaged and they were scarred because they were raised in a home that had standards and convictions and kept them on the old time way. You got their number, boys. Y'all thought you started the podcast. You went and started the movement. Thanks for joining us for the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. Make sure to stay tuned at the end of the show to hear more about the RFP sponsors. Now, here's your host for the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast, Nathan Cravat, J.C. Groves, and Brian Edwards. Hey, everybody. Thanks for being here with us on the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. Guys, I'm super excited about going to Israel with you. That means I get to see you in June and in January, but there's also another date coming up real soon that we're going to get to see each other and get to hang out and just be in each other's company. Our camp meeting is coming up and we're going to be announcing that next week right here on the podcast. We're going to give you date and location and that's going to be three incredible days. I'm super excited about that. I'm really excited about it. You know, Nathan and I, even today we're chatting about it. All the beauty and the fun and the fellowship of camp meeting without any of the legalism. Like if you Mm. attend the camp meeting, we promise there will not be an hour and a half offering. Amen. We won't won't even do an in-service pledge drive. (laughs) You can come to the service. Well, hey, guys, by the way, what's the craziest thing you ever saw in a camp meeting? Oh, goodness. I said this before on here, but the craziest thing I've ever saw, I actually participating in, participated in unwillingly. I was auctioned off at the Wait. Faith Bible Camp with Sammy Allen, and he called all the kids and teenagers up to the front and forced the parents to purchase them back. That was how what? he took up the offering. Yeah. Our parents had to buy us back. And little caveat to this was my dad ran a boy's home. 
So I was up there with 30 boys in the boys' home and my brother and my sister, and my dad couldn't buy us all back. And he let us stand up there for an hour and a half. Finally, Sammy Allen figured out what was going on and got other people to purchase us. And I finally got to go back and sit down. It was, it was ridiculous. I think it's terrible. One happened at two of them happened at faith Baptist camp. One, I've had <laughs> too many Sammy Allen uh, offerings. So that in itself is just there. The other one, we're still looking for a tape and I'm going to make $2,500 in crisp $100 <laughs> bills. Hello. Shout out. The other one happened um, in Indianapolis, Indiana at heritage Baptist Bible college. I was a nine, maybe eight years old, but I remember it like it was yesterday. The harmonica boys were up on stage playing. Hold we, it. Uh, hold it. The harmonica boys. The harmonica yes. boys. We I, re- I know they were them. The worldliest things ever. But this one guy, he had a miniature harmonica and put it in his mouth to play. And I thought it was life changing. He's up there playing, and they made the sound of a train coming. And literally, there was a tornado blowing through Greenwood, Indiana. And I'll never forget, we ran into Heritage Baptist Bible, the big brick building. And we went up, and I was so upset because my mom went into the girls' restroom. And we looked out the window as the tent literally collapsed on all the men that were trying to hold up the big pillars and things like that. And my dad was down there, and I was think he was getting blown away. Absolute craziest night I'll ever. (laughs) I was worried about the harmonicas. I was like is the wind making the harmonicas play right now? (laughs) (laughs) You guys, y'all, y'all stories top anybody's and everybody's mine. I was in a camp meeting one night where it got into a competition to see who could give up the most things. And so (laughs) there were girls going forward, you know, giving up cool lots. And I'll never forget. uh, It was probably 20 stanzas later of whatever song it was that they sang to death. This girl actually went up opened her pocketbook and laid her lip gloss on the altar. And then she had to force herself to cry. So she was like, tonight tonight, I'm just bringing my lip gloss before God and started going on this thing about how it drew attention to her lips and all this unbelievable. That's so, that's so much torment. And and at the RFP camp meeting, it's going to be the opposite of that. We're going to get you things back. You can reclaim your lip gloss, <laughs> reclaim your cool odds. You're going to get your Garth Brooks albums back out of the fire. Hey, man. <laughs> We're going to forward mask albums. I mean, it's going to be amazing. Wow. <laughs> so, camp meeting announcement next week. It's going to be amazing, unlike some of the camp meeting moments we've all had in the past. But tonight, I'm so excited about this episode. Blake, are you still with us, bro? I am still with you guys laughing the whole way. <laughs> so so you were not raised independent fundamental Baptist. So you must be scratching your head on some of this. And you probably don't believe some of our camp meeting stories, but I can guarantee you they are true. They, they sound entertaining. And the closest thing I know to an independent fundamental Baptist is Stephen Anderson. So, oh boy, yeah, I know he's pretty, he's pretty extreme, but you just won. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Blake, I just admire the fact that unlike our last guest who called me old, <laughs> you actually waited to talk. Like you didn't just jump in and take over. Well, yeah, you know, honestly, it wasn't. Age. I wasn't sure of the courtesy there, so I'll wait until it all happened. <laughs> you know, I never listened to our episodes back, but I actually went back and listened to last week's episode and cried laughing just as hard as I did when the night that we recorded it. Brian Drake was fire. That was an he incredible episode. 
I didn't I, listen to it. <laughs> I love it. We just need to have another episode with him back on where you guys just roast each other, Brian. The two Brian's just it's a death match where you go at each other. I think that would be amazing. So Blake, what was your background? What was your heritage? If it wasn't independent Baptist, then then how did you grow up? Um, you know, I didn't necessarily grow up in church on a consistent basis, um, even though I'm in the heart of the Bible Belt. Um, I would go to church on Wednesday nights to the local First Baptist Church by our junior high. That's SBC. Um, and I'm SBC today, uh, Southern Baptist, and we're distinctly Reformed. But um, outside of that, that's that's been about it. Uh, the first church we went to was Pentecostal. Um, of course, that's a whole different story. So, oh yeah, <laughs> learned real quick I wasn't Pentecostal. <laughs> yeah, so you didn't feel like running around and. No, I didn't feel like running around. I didn't feel like blabbering either. So. And you weren't fire baptized, I guess. Nope. <laughs> nope. You're well, not the Pentecostal. Only thing you can only thing you can do when that doesn't happen is go find a reformed church to join. So. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> that's that's awesome. Well, Blake has written a book, and uh, I want to let you tell our audience about it, but I had an opportunity to read this book very close to about a year ago. How long did this come out? Uh, how long has it been since it was, this book came out? May 5th, I think, okay. of last year. Yeah, so I think you sent it to me before it was even released, and I had a chance to read it. It was mm -hmm. awesome, and we've been back and forth talking about having you on, and I'm glad this has finally worked out. So, me too. Blake, why don't you tell us about your book and uh, share your story of how you know, it led up to you writing this book. I think it'll be a big help to our audience. Yeah. So the origin story here is back in 2019, um, I wrote a blog post. Uh, it was called The Gospel is Offensive, But You Shouldn't Be. And it was one of those things where I, I literally wrote it probably in about two hours. Uh, I was bored at work. I should have been working and I was uh, writing a blog post. And so I did that and um, I woke up two days later, you know, I have the little, the little WordPress app on my phone and I would sometimes track the statistics and see how many views it's getting all this stuff. And, you know, back, back then I'm getting one or two views a day, just starting out. And so I didn't expect much. Um, but then that day I woke up and I noticed that I, it had gotten exponentially more views than I've ever seen in my life. And so I literally contacted WordPress and I was like, what's the glitch here? What's, what's going on? And the guy was basically like, no, this is, this is organic. This is right. Um, and I quickly realized there is a referrer section on the, the app that shows you what sites are referring your blog posts. And I saw Charlie's name on there. And so I went to the, went to a site and realized he had linked the, the blog post on his a la carte section. And so, you know, that was, my, may have been the best day of my life. <laughs> um, and so before that, I knew that I wanted to write a book. Uh, when I became a Christian back in 2013, um, I started to read a lot. And I was never really a reader until I got saved. The more I read, the more I wanted to write myself. Um, and so I, I, I knew I wanted to write. I just didn't know what it was going to be about. Um, when that happened that day of the, the blog getting shared and all, you know, many people viewing it, I thought, well, this seems like it's a popular one. So maybe we can, 
maybe we can take take this one and run with it. So ever since that day, I, I, I kept trying to develop the ideas because I knew there was a lot more to expound on. Um, that's a that blog post may have been 500 words. Um, and so out of that, um, I, I came up and, you know, people have asked me about the title of the blog post and how it was in relation to the title of the book. And I thought it was just a little bit too long. That's why I didn't use it as the, the title of the book. And at first, the title of the book was going to be The Gospel Doesn't Need Your Smugness. And I ran that by my four pastors and they liked it, but they thought it was too long. Um, so I shortened it to Gospel Smugness. And of course, displaying Christ-like character and evangelism is the subtitle. Um, so I, I knew I knew I wanted gospel in the title, um, but I wasn't sure exactly what word to use to really encapsulate the, the full theme of the book. I thought of arrogance, but I thought that was too generic. So I, I chose smugness because I, I was a little pragmatic. Um, I criticize SBC people for being pragmatic, but I had to be pragmatic in that situation. <laughs> um, I knew it would get people's attention and, and make them go, what is this about? So uh, that, is it that true is that you got the idea for smugness off of the office? Yes. And awesome. Tell us about that. Classic. Well, that's <laughs> the frustrating part, Nathan, is that that my, my wife brought, brought this up to me a long time ago about the book. And she said, you didn't even mention in the book that you got the title from the office. I put two references to the office in the book, um, but not to that. So, but yeah, the, the soul, I got the idea of smugness from the scene in the office where Michael Scott is telling Jim, there's the smudgeness. Um, obviously, <laughs> hilariously saying smugness wrong. But so, yeah, I thought it was a fantastic opportunity and uh, you have to throw in a couple office references in the first place. So. Oh, definitely. That'll make the yeah. sales go up every single oh, yeah. time. Yeah. I'm more of a Parks and Rec guy. I, I like Parks and Rec, but you can't, you, can't sit, you can't sit here and tell me it's better than the office. If, if not, I might just have to get off the, get off the chat <laughs> <Yeah>. here. <laughs> I, I'm going to have to exit this, this podcast now. This is like talking about sports. <laughs> yeah, I like, I like Mountain Men and the last, Brian, the last that's, that's a like we like TV shows and you like mountain men, but we, we weren't <laughs> even talking about our, yeah. I mean, I just, I just like watching stuff done by real men. I just can't help it. You can watch the office or you can watch a guy kill and skin a grizzly bear with a pocket knife. It's just, Oh, you're talking about a TV salt. show. I'm sorry. I, I just thought you were saying you like mountain men. I'm you're throwing out your movie preferences there. <laughs> can't quit you. What? Oh gosh! <laughs> Please ignore these guys. They, the level uh, of cruelty to which they're willing to dish out is mm-hmm. unbelievable. So your recovery usually is not coming from me, though, Brian. I'm not usually the one picking on you, yeah, but that but, was that was just amazing when you said well, you liked mountain men. I'm a but, I'm, but Blake, I'm ex- I'm spiritually engaged right now. You know why? Okay, I'm, okay. Yeah, let's get back to the spiritual <laughs> side of this thing. So, so let's you and I we're on the right side of the screen. So let's just Got come it. out right. from among the world and be separate uh-huh. as the Lord. <laughs> um, so, when had you witnessed people being smug with the gospel? Mm. Well, primarily. Uh, primarily social media. I, I really think that was the primary reason I wrote the blog post in the first place. 
um, just whether it's whether it's Facebook, Twitter, you don't really see it on Instagram, but it, primarily Twitter, uh, just because it's a lot more interactive and there's a lot of there's a lot of grumpy, grumpy reformed people on there. Not just you know, again, not just Calvinists, uh, all Christians, but um, yeah, that's primarily the the place I've seen it. And then you know the. I'm not calling out my own local church here, but I know we can all be this way, just in different conversations with people and learning how to be Christ-like in our conversations and seeing it in my own own heart. First of all, you know, I try to make that clear. It's like I'm not I'm not a guru here. I, I struggle with this too. Um, so so yeah, primarily social media because you can obviously see much much more, but definitely in all contexts just so no one misses it give an example what would gospel smugness be i'm trying to think of a real life example um i can give you a, a real life example and maybe it'll spur yeah, you to think it. so i was sitting at a table one night with uh, a group of calvinists and they were literally the most arrogant people i'd ever spoken with in my yeah. life in this conversation by the way i recently talked to a famous reformed guy who feels the same. And so after having listened to this con, con conversation for a long time, I said, so if you believe that Christ alone resurrected you from spiritual death and you had absolutely nothing to do with it, how in the world did you end up being arrogant? Mm -hmm. I doubt very seriously Lazarus came out of the grave and started doing, you know, the circuit, uh, you know, the speech circuit and getting up and saying, yeah. look at me, right. look at what I did because he was called from the dead. He was loosed and he was let go by the other people. I'm sure Lazarus didn't set up a concert series so that he could brag about his own power. So I just asked the question that night, how is it that you believe in spiritual resurrection by grace, God giving you the faith that you placed in Jesus Christ as Savior. How do you believe all that? You end up at a place of arrogance. So that would be an example that that I could yeah. give. So th there's uh, spurs to my mind. There's one in the book, and this was actually a real life example. I just, I changed the, changed the names on it. But um, so someone in my family, not immediately, but further down the line on my wife's side, uh, they, they went to their local Golden Corral and they noticed a family there and uh the she she they they knew each other and the person i'm talking about knew that their son had just passed away i think is the story and so she went up to the table and um was just basically saying you know praying for you giving condolences and all the sorts of stuff and you know the, the people at the table were like yeah you know it, it's difficult time but we know he's he's up in heaven all this stuff um he's been baptized you know and she goes well he, he better have repented of his sin if he just got you know basically going on because they're church of christ sorry that's the background they're church of christ denomination and uh she she, she or harped on the, the the baptism train and was really blunt uh, mm. about that and and then basically said if if he didn't repent of his sins and trust in christ he's in hell mm. 
not incorrect things to say. But in that particular situation, it's kind of like the, uh, the learn how to read the room. Sometimes we, not, we may not be uh, intentionally rude, um, but if we don't know how to read the room well, we can come off very smug or very just uh, snarky and uh, have no idea <laughs> what we should be doing in that place. And so th that's at least one example. It may not be overt, but it's, it's one of those things where just understand the context you're, you're in Golden Corral. It's not the conversation to have there. <laughs> I remember back when my wife and I first got married, and this was over 26 years ago, and she was raised Nazarene. I was raised independent fundam fundamental Bible mm -hmm. believing King James only and all the other things that, yeah. you know, go along with that Baptist. And so we would have discussions. Well, they would start as discussions about eternal security mm. and <laughs> it would turn into just knock down, drag out theological fights Mm -hmm. where I was just basically saying she was stupid and she was saying I was an idiot and we would just go back and forth. And I mean, we, we would be angry and yelling and screaming at each other about theology when we had started talking about the Bible and yeah. we were both just convinced and it was more me than it was her, but just convinced that I was right. And instead of having a graciousness uh, it, it was like combat. And the crazy thing is looking back on it now, neither one of us were actually saved at the time. Both of us actually ended up truly becoming that. true disciples and followers of uh -huh. Jesus Christ after that point. So it's, it's amazing how much religion and, mm -hmm. and being religious can, can spur us to be you know, we, we never called it, I love the title of the book, Gospel Smugness. We never called it Gospel Smugness. We called it Being Jerks for Jesus. And yep. uh, I think our audience will understand that quite a bit. And I don't know if our crowd, yeah, I think we did argue about our specific points of theology and how we were right and everybody else was wrong. But most of the arguing in our community came around standards, personal holiness mm -hmm. standards, like women can't yeah. wear pants, men can't have long hair, and uh, all those types of things. But yeah. again, that's still another type of smugness that surrounds yeah. gospel issues where we just want to beat up fellow Christians rather than loving one another and having winsome, honest conversations Yep. that can maybe win somebody over to our point of view. Right. And I alluded, you know, I, I talked about our first church we went to and I got saved was a, a Pentecostal church here in town. It's where my wife's grandparents go and they still go. Um, both of them are much godlier than I will ever be. Uh, but when I uh, lear first learned about the doctrines of grace, I went through what every Calvinist went through and that's uh, the cage stage. Oh yeah. And, uh, I had many arguments with her, uh, you know, cause here I am a reformed dude and she's Pentecostal. So we're talking, we're, we're arguing about eternal security and total depravity. I'm, I, I'm just going through Tulip, not even like, that's not the conversation to have. And so I'm trying to win an argument just for its own sake, rather than trying to understand more. And so I remember sitting in college at Tennessee temple and having just hour of hours and hours of dialogue and debate and and just it, it almost got to a point where there was a, at 
at certain times people were sick of talking to each other. We lost friendships over, you know, just people that were so dead set that this is the exact way that you had to believe. And if you don't believe, like I believe, you know, that smugness almost in a way it was, it was on both sides and it was just a walking away from each other. However, you know, the non Calvinist, if you will, one, because we were at Tennessee Temple University, so they were going to hell in a handbasket, um, you know, for <laughs> believing that. But the, what, what I always go to in, in my culture, because, you know, this the, the thought of gospel spugness, I, I sense this a little bit. There was a, a, a convention that used to come around. Uh, I don't know if they call it a convention, but Southwide. I don't know. If, did y'all ever go to Southwide, Nathan? Oh, yeah. Did, yeah, were y'all yeah. ever a part of that? So the last, you know, 2000 to 2005, um, I was a part of Southwide. My dad took us there when we were in high school. So from mid nineties to about 2005, I'd go to Southwide and I would always sit back and watch how there was always this like hierarchy of who was at Southwide. And you always tried to find the, the, the right person or have a good conversation with that person to make it feel mm -hmm. like you were in. And even though they weren't necessarily saying it, there was just this feeling of smugginess. You know, when I think of gospel smugness in a way, to where it was almost like, who do I know? Who can I talk to? And and even as a, a college student, my mind kept going back to that, you know, pride comes before the before the fall, a haughty mm -hmm. spirit before destruction. And I, I just remember seeing that and I'm like, God, I don't want to ever get to that point to where it's about who I'm around, what I know, you know, what can I do? And I, I think honestly, that's why we started this podcast. So a part of that was to put up guardrails, to put up some red flags, to help people see, hey, these are some road markers to help you in a way to see that you're going down this road to avoid the gospel smugness, if you will. Mm -hmm. Now, we've been labeled smug. I get, I guarantee you there's a lot that think that we've been labeled as, you know, RFP smugs, <laughs> smugness on here. Um, I've never thought I'd say that word this many times. It's great. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's what people think that we do is that we're, we're hurt and we're, we're, we're not loving the church anymore. And so we just want to come on and be real smug about it and say, this is our way. This is the new way. Get away from the old time way. Honestly, what we're doing is trying to help people see the gospel, the Bible, and to walk in the way of Jesus. And I believe that when you're walking with Jesus, smugness is not a part of who you are. Mm -hmm. There is yeah, no yeah. pride. There is no self. There is no my way or the highway. It's his way. And I believe yeah. that's part of you know why I love your book. And I haven't even read it yet. Just the title is, wow. you know, because it's going to get us to that place of, sorry, you didn't send it to me, just Nathan. Um, but you know, <laughs> uh, I guess he thinks youth pastors don't read, but Nathan's a youth pastor. Um, but, you know, <laughs> looking at it, oh, that'd be Brian, never mind. But looking at the smugness as a way of, this is what I believe. Mm -hmm. If you don't believe it, you're wrong. Mm -hmm. That's what we, that's the mentality we're trying to shift here. Yeah. So Amen. you you just put smugness on me. I did while talking about smugness. Oh, did you see how that was, man, JC. I love you, Brian. You're such a hypocrite. <laughs> one of my one of my favorite stories ever. My dad had to um, had to talk to this guy. A pastor asked him to talk to him. They needed him to stop coming to church visitation. They would go out in the community and knock on doors, and they needed this guy to quit coming. And the pastor said, 
I've never needed anybody to not show up for visitation before, but I don't know what to do. And the guy was so overzealous. They had literally the week before gone to a guy's door at his house. The guy answered the door with a cigarette in his hand. And this was the guy's opening line. He said, it's a good thing you like smoke because where you're going, there's going to be a bunch of it. Oh, that was his opening <laughs> line. Yikes. So, so what would be the takeaway from the book? Because right now our listeners are, you know, they're tuned in, they're hearing what you're saying. Mm -hmm. What would be the takeaway? What would you, what, what should motivate them to order this book right now? You, it kind of, it, it's kind of like, whether you can say about the Old Testament or just script, all of scripture in, the, in, in general, um, it all points, points to Christ. Yeah. Um, so in, at the end of the book, I try to help people understand, don't get so caught up in this. Like, yes, uh, be concerned about how you speak to people, be concerned about all of what I go over in the book. But at, at the end of the day, we still need to preach the gospel and mm. God still uses um, sinners to, to preach that gospel. He still, you know, he has the end, but he uses the means as well. Um, and so th there's not some formula, uh, anything like that. It's simply trust more in Christ and lean on the Holy spirit more. Um, he, uh, Jesus is the perfect example of how to, share the gospel in every situation and obviously when we are confused or um, not not sure how to not with the content of the gospel we know what that is but how to do it in a specific circumstance um, not lean too much on a formula or, or, or what a book says but just trusting Christ in the process and, and hopefully your sin gets doesn't get in the way yeah so let me play devil's advocate for a minute. Sure. So are you saying that theology doesn't matter or that we should relax what we believe and just embrace more people? Or is it okay to feel strongly about doctrine and about what you believe? Yeah, absolutely. So definitely not advocating for compromise. Um, we need to honestly now more than ever, we need to hold fast to our convictions and, and be very firm and strong in those, um, whether it's with the culture itself or even those who profess to be in the church as well. Um, I, I try to boil down the whole book to having truth and love. Mm. If we have truth uh, without love, then we're, uh, we're a bunch of Pharisees walking around. Um, yeah whatever term you want to put on it. If we have love without truth, well, then first of all, that's not really love in the first place. Hmm. Um, but then you don't have the gospel. So we would technically rather be in the, 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 the first part rather than the latter. But um, that's what it really boils down to is if we have the truth, if we have the gospel, if we have the fundamentals, there's your plug. Um, and if we have love, uh, if we have truth that love it, you know, we're a noisy gong. It doesn't really mean anything to people. Mm. And so even if we are, are preaching the truth to others, but we're not doing so in a loving way, um, God can certainly still use that. Um, I think he obviously uses it through all of us as Christians, but we certainly make it more difficult in the process. So yeah, at the end, at the end of the day, 
remain true to your convictions. Don't, don't hold back on any cultural issues, compromise on any of that stuff, just because it's unpopular. Uh, It's no longer popular to be a Christian that ship sailed decades ago. It seems like, Um, even though you guys are a lot older than me. (laughs) (laughs) There it is, man. (laughs) How How old are you, you, Blake? I'm 27. I'll be 28 in September. Awesome. Dude, I was not anywhere close to writing a book at 27. So props yeah, to you, bro. Thank Dude, you. that's awesome. I turned Just 40. That I'm not going to write a book. Just the new Joshua Harris. Oh, oh man. Is that I a bad one to use now? Right there. Oh, you know how many times I kissed dating goodbye and I'm still kissing dating goodbye. And I'm. I think he wrote that at 20, though. So he's got. Oh. That did yeah, him a lot yeah. of good, didn't it? Well, hopefully in two decades, you'll still believe in Jesus, Blake. Yeah, this is, this we'll, is, we'll, it is. We will pray a, for that's that. That's a bad example. Speaking of gospel <laughs> Right. Well, you know, Blake, I think the church, there's nothing more beautiful than the gospel. Amen. Amen. Yep. And when the gospel's correctly presented, literally the beauty of it's overwhelming. It's It's a transformative beauty because once you experience it, your life is radically transformed forever and eternity. So the gospel's beautiful, but isn't it amazing how we can take something as beautiful as the gospel and ultimately make it unattractive to a world in desperate need of it? Mm. You know, it's yeah, kind of like it, taking oxygen and making it seem like something you would never want. Yep. It, you know, kind of speaks just to how you know, we talk about a lot of Christians talk about not wanting to talk about sin and all of this stuff. Uh, but it, that right there speaks to how sinful we are. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot you talk about beauty in the gospel. You can make the case. There's so much beauty in talking about who we once were. If we don't talk about who we once were and who we still can be, um, then the gospel loses its beauty altogether. And so, yeah, we, we have to, we, we do a very good job of making the gospel not glorious because of how unglorious we, we act in the process for sure. Unfortunately. Yeah. Well, we usually wrap up our podcast by asking our guests to share the gospel, but I want to, I want to ask you that question attached to something with your book. So you said in the introduction, which I think you said is the the first chapter of the book, that the gospel is offensive, but you shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. So uh, explain to us why the gospel is offensive. And, you know, if someone's listening to our podcast that maybe is not a Christian, what would Mm -hmm. you want to include with that by telling them the beauty of the gospel? Sure. Yeah. So the whole reason I wrote this book is because one of the main parts is that the gospel is offensive. Um, And as Christians, we should never cower away from that. We should never be ashamed of that. Um, The gospel is offensive, but you have to ask yourself, so we all have to, definitely if if you're an unbeliever and listening to this, um, why the gospel is offensive. Why is it offensive? It's offensive because it shines a bright light on our sin. Um, and I know, I know we, we don't like thinking about our sin, talking about our sin, 
Um, we, we like to push it away. And even when we do talk about it, we minimize it. Uh, we're very good at uh, revealing our own sinfulness when we don't like to talk about our sinfulness. And so the gospel is offensive because um, it tells us we are in need of a savior when we don't even think we need one. Um, it, it shows that we're sinners in need of a savior when we think we're doing just fine and dandy, um, going to church every Sunday, either way, whether you're going to church or not, um, and, and thinking your, your good works are going to outweigh your bad and, and not really understanding the gospel. So yes, the gospel is offensive. It's going to be offensive to those who don't have the ears to hear at the moment. Um, but as Brian talked about, there is beauty in the gospel. There is glory in the gospel, and that is because of Christ. Um, that is the message that we get to share, and that's the message I'm sharing with you, is that even though the gospel is very clear um, about who we are, who we once were, um, and that we have sinned against the holy and righteous God, um, Though we, we may try to minimize that sin or think it may not be a big deal, even a, a little white lie, uh, but because we are sinning against the God of the universe is because it's such, uh, as R.C. Sproul says, is cosmic treason. Um, it is a very big deal. Mm-hmm. And so we're, as, as Christians, when we share the gospel with you, we're not trying to, to lay a heavy burden on you. We're trying to let you know there is a burden there, and Christ is the one that takes it off. Um, and so, yeah, we, we have to make sure that, yeah, the gospel is offensive, but then we get to Christ and we see what Christ did for us on the cross. And we, we talk about the cross and talk about his atonement and how, how he shed blood for us. And it paid for all of our sin, past, present, future. And we, we you know, we always hear um, all of our sin was, uh, was in the future to Christ. So he's paid for it all. Um, and so if whether you've grown up in a context of atheism and you just don't believe or whether you're a Roman Catholic, whatever the issue may be, and you have a works-based mindset, um, salvation is all of grace. Um, all you have to do is repent of your sins and believe in the gospel. And both of those things, the repentance and the faith, are both gifts from God. So Amen. we can't even sit here and say, I did this. I repented. I trusted in Christ. Uh, but because they didn't, they didn't even come from us. Um, and, and so that wipes away smugness very quickly if we are genuine about it. Um, but we talk about the cross and absolutely we should and talk about the resurrection that he rose again on the third day to, to, to vindicate himself and to uh, hope we will one day be resurrected, all of us in the future. Uh, but he also lived a perfect life for us as well that he obeyed the, the the law of god to to last mark and so not only did he need to die for our sins but he needed to, to live for us as well because um not only did we need somebody to pay for our sins but we needed somebody to live a, a perfect righteous life on our behalf and that's exactly what he did so if you're listening to this and and you may be maybe you're struggling with with this concept uh, just remember remember uh, you bring nothing to the table. There was an old dead theologian named Jonathan Edwards that once said, the only thing you bring to the table uh, is the sin that made it necessary. A um, little harsh, uh, but it goes back to this, the sin part. We have to talk about our sin so we can see the glory of the Savior. 
And so that is, the, to sum it up, the, the gospel message itself, we could go around for days talking about what it means and actually talk about in the conclusion. I think I started out with talking about how the gospel is so complex. You know, Jonathan Edwards could plunge the depths of it and still not get to the bottom. Uh, but a five-year-old kid could understand it. And so yeah. there is so much beauty in that. And so the gospel just perfectly summed up is the perfect uh, is the person and work of Jesus Christ. So, yeah, man, that's beautiful. Thank you very much. And and I, I thought about something while you were talking. I think there's another aspect of gospel smugness that um, we grew up in anti-intellectualism, like the reform crowd kind of leans more education, you know, seminary. We grew up more anti-intellectual. Bless God, you don't need no cemetery. You don't need no education. You just need to, you know, get out on a stump somewhere and read your Bible until the Holy Spirit fills you. Mm -hmm. And so a, a lot of people that would speak out against the reform position, you know, whatever, higher, higher education, seminary education, whatever, uh, they would be smug towards someone that holds a certain set of views. So this, I think it goes both ways. Whatever camp of Christianity you fall in, you can be smug towards other groups of Christians. And I think the point here today is that we need to believe what we believe, hold firmly to that, but we need to show grace and extend grace to people that are of other positions. And I think this is something the three of us as hosts of the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast have had to learn. There are a lot of IFB guys out there that are solid gospel guys that love Jesus, that are great pastors, that are shepherding their people well, that are preaching well, honoring God's word. We disagree with them on some things, but we we don't want to lump them in with all the other guys who basically have forsaken the gospel because, you know, they focus so much on personal standards and all, you know, the performance-based religion that they leave it behind. So, Blake, thank you so much for bringing this topic up for us today. And I hope all of our listeners Absolutely. go out and buy your book on Amazon today. And we do want to give a few of these away, right, JC? Yeah. How do we want to do that? <laughs> Why don't we have people... After you hear this, go uh, retweet our, our post about this episode, and we'll just pick two people from the retweets and uh, send them a book. There it is. Make it simple. And for those that don't retweet, where can they buy the book? Amazon. Uh, I think it's on Barnes & Nobles as well. Uh, you just got to pay shipping, I bet. And then you can technically go straight through me. Uh, it just takes a while. Awesome. So are there any other books on Amazon with the name Schmudgeness in it? I don't think so. Awesome. So it's easy to find. Gospel Smugness. Yeah. Definitely it recommend it. Awesome. Well, thanks for being here on the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast with us, Blake. We hope that everybody goes and gets the book, Gospel Smugness, and uh, be sure to uh, check that out. Hey, before we get off, I know you're about to wrap us up, JC, but Brian Edwards and I had an opportunity of sharing a very special moment this week. We had an opportunity to attend Craig Edwards' retirement party, where he retired from not the ministry, but retired from pastoring uh, the church, the Hope Church in uh almost said Mayberry. That's actually not hey, it. That's, that's what it's called, though. Mount Airy. 
North Carolina. And uh, man, I, I was moved at that, that uh, retirement uh, celebration at such a deep level and realized how much Craig Edwards has had an impact on my life. And Brian, you said so many words and, and things that honored your dad. And I just wanted to give him a shout out on this episode. Well, you know, I'm grateful for his faithfulness. You know, my dad's been preaching now for 54 years, preached all over wow. the country. And, you know, a lot of people will come against him, I guess, for leaving fundamentalism. But have you ever noticed in 54 years on the road, often away from our family, you've never heard anybody be able to bring an accusation against my dad with regard yeah. to another woman. You've never heard anybody be able to bring a financial accusation against my dad. You've never heard anybody be able to bring any kind of accusation against him in any way. And no one can say that Craig Edwards hasn't always faithfully preached the gospel okay. of Jesus Christ. And uh, so I'm so grateful for him. And I look forward you know, to what God has for him in this next phase. And to those who are listening to the RFP and your pastors, his calendar is filling up really quickly. But if you want to have a guy in who can talk to your church about transition and who represents that bridge, I mean, because he's 72 years old and in his 60s, my dad left fundamentalism. And at that time, he was at the top preaching the biggest meetings in the country. And he said, truth matters more than that. Wow. And so I admire him for that. And mm. if you would like to have him or schedule him, you can reach out to me through our, uh, our church website. And I'd be happy to make sure and connect you to him. I can tell you one place you can hear Craig Edwards. That's at the RFP camp meeting coming up Woo! next week. Big announcement. We're going to let you yes, know the, day, the place and you want to be sure to be there. It's going to be an incredible time. Pastors, be sure to go and get registered on June the 1st. Talk to your wife, talk to your deacons, talk to your elders, talk to your staff, whatever you need to do. You got a couple weeks now, June 1st, it goes live. First 30 that gets signed up. We're going to Israel January 23rd through the 31st, recoveringfundamentalist.org. It's going to be an absolute incredible life-changing trip, and we want you to go with us. Hide your kids, hide your wife. We're going to Israel. I can't wait. It's going to be fun. I don't <laughs> even know what that had to do with Israel. I'll see. It had absolutely nothing to oh, do with Israel. He's, he's been saving that. <laughs> That's it. Well, it's been a great episode. We look forward to seeing you back here next week on the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. Y'all have a good week. Be sweet. Don't be smug peace. Thanks for listening to the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. Be sure to stop by our social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Give us a follow. Also go to our website, recoveringfundamentalist.org. That's recoveringfundamentalist.org. There you can find Recovering Fundamentalist swag. You can get your t-shirts and hats. You can join our ex-fundy community. See where we're going to be having some meetups. It's the recoveringfundamentalist.org. Be sure to join us next time for the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast.